You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm Sean McCormick, your host, life coach, wellness entrepreneur, and today's guest is Paul Selig. And Paul Selig is one of the world's foremost spiritual channels. And what he does is he has written about six books, which is channeled material that has come through him from somewhere else. Paul acts as a conduit for his guides and he's done workshops in which I attended recently. And our conversation is a lot about sort of personal uh, personal awareness, awareness of the differing versions of ourself. And in this episode, he breaks down uh, some of the key teachings um, from some of the books and a little bit of what's to come in an, in, a, in a coming book. And just as a heads up, when Paul channels, he uh, double speaks. He speaks and then he says the words again. And, and that's his process of uh, funneling the information, receiving this information and being a conduit from this inspired material. And um, so he does, he does channel once or twice within this episode. And listen carefully to the way that he talks about um, what he's learned from um, this higher state of consciousness or this um, higher vibration of consciousness. I know that this is a little bit different from what I normally do, but I think this stuff is absolutely fascinating. And in order for us to live the type of life that's well-rounded, that has depth, um, that's involves contemplation is really important. And he's been on a bunch of other podcasts that I've heard. And then after attending his workshop, I just really wanted to have him on as a guest. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode. I'm not going to really plug anything that we're doing at Natural Stacks. Um, You can go to paulselig.com. That's where you can find him. You can find me at seanmccormick.com. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Selig. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur, a blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. And we're here with Paul Selig. Paul, welcome to the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. So I think that it would be helpful to start with making a distinction for our listeners between um, religion and spirituality. Um, can, can, can you kind of give us uh, um, an, an explanation or how you like to think of spirituality versus religion? I don't think about it. I mean, I wasn't raised with any religion. So for me, um, spirituality is what I came to, and it exists outside of an organized church or doctrine or, or, or set of inherited beliefs. I mean, when I was early on my path, I heard somebody once say, 
you know, religion is for people who are afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for people who have been there, which I quite like. And at the time I found some solace in that. But, um, you know, I I don't ascribe to to one religion or one teaching. I think that there's probably great validity and truth at the basis of all of them. But what's happened with them over time has, I suspect, been somewhat corrupted through time itself and through, you know, a misunderstanding of doctrine and through politics and finance and all of those things that come with any institution. So I don't know that I'm answering your question, but I think that a spiritual life is, is an inherently personal belief and um, and way of moving forward into a directly personal relationship with source or God or the divine. Um, and, you know, religion tends to teach you that you need to, you know, have an intermediary or a system that you ascribe to. Yeah. I, it occurred to me to think of... Um a spiritual discipline or or reading books like like yours is to have an understanding that it's about awareness that it's about um having uh, cultivating a personal awareness and an awareness of of uh things that are outside or, or maybe um larger than us is that fair I think it is about awareness. I mean, but I think awareness is the byproduct. I suspect that anybody who's dealing with the mystical truth of any religion, and I think that there is a mystical truth of the basis of all of them, is probably having a profound experience of their awareness. And um, the teachings that come through me are very much about being in the world and who, what aspect of you is operating in the world and how you perceive the world that you're in an encounter with and how you name everything through a higher sense of being as opposed to what you've been taught things should be or mean. So I suspect there's no way around this. I don't know that awareness is necessarily key to this, but I suspect it has to be because it's key to to being alive and being in one's experience. Yeah. When I think, when I was, you know, thinking about how, where to take our conversation today, I was looking forward to getting your um, your thoughts on how developing a connection or an attunement to the best versions of ourselves, um, um, how that manifests in our daily life, and and I guess the question there is, how can a greater spiritual awareness and personal awareness make us uh, better agents um, in humanity. Well, I like the idea of being better agents in humanity. I don't like the idea of being the best version of oneself because that in some ways ascribes to some belief that there is some way one should be. And usually when people think about the best versions of themselves, they're looking at themselves in comparison to uh, the culture of the day. My best version should be like this and should do that and should meditate every day and, you know, all that stuff. So I don't know if it's about a best version. I would suggest my guides would say it would be about being a true version of yourself, the true self or the inherently divine self. And to call that best 
I suspect, puts it on a system of gradation from best to worst. And that's so not how they teach. It's really about the realization of the divine in everything, not just the things you like and aspire to be like. Now, what they teach is realization. They don't teach self-improvement. And, um, you know, the guides say in their very first book, I Am the Word, they say, you know, this is not a self-help book. But it is a book in realization. And all of the books are actually supporting us, I suspect, or I hope at this point, because there are so many of them, in realizing the essential truth that is inherent in who we are and who everyone else is. And I would now take it so far as to say what everything else is as well, because they say the exclusion of the divine from everything is what's creating this belief in separation. To be an agent of this is to be realized as the best, now I'm using the word best, the truest version of who you are. Um, and let me see if I got that right. No, I'm actually hearing no, I didn't get it right. So let me see. I'm going to get it from the guides if I can to be the highest version. They're saying to be the highest version, which would be accurate, which would be accurate is to realize who you are, is to realize who you are and in doing so, and in doing so, realize who others are as well. You know, she is the one who knows who she is, who she is, cannot condemn another cannot condemn another, must see the divine another, must see the divine in another because it chooses not to, because to choose not to cast herself in darkness, casts herself in darkness, the true self knows who she is, the true self knows who she is, she isn't aspiring, she isn't aspiring, she's not wanting to be fixed, she's not wanting to be fixed, she is simply knowing, she is simply knowing, and in her realization of this, and in her realization of this, she supports everybody else. She supports everybody else in their own awareness, in their own awareness, period. They're saying period. So I didn't say this, but when I channel, I whisper the words as they come and repeat them, and that's just, that's what that was. So often when I, you know, come through and put my foot in my mouth, which is with some frequency, they'll come through and, and do a little corrective work on their teaching because it really is their teaching. Yeah, I'll make I'll make sure to give everybody a nice heads up on that before uh, before right. we jump to the podcast so that they know it's coming. I recently attended one of your workshops when you were in Seattle, and it was um, it occurred to me, uh, and maybe I'm fixated on um, um, what to do, what the doing is. Um, maybe it's. Um, Maybe it's my upbringing. Of, cur of course, it is. It's cultural, um, culturally bound too. Mm -hmm. But w but to know the true self, to be more in, in attunement with the true self, there there's also some sort of um, action that needs to be taken. Whether it's to not flip somebody off in traffic, or meditate, no, or no. no, you're looking for stuff, you know. And you, you and I, I get cautious around these things because I think it's a challenge these days that people think their spiritual lives is something that they can hack, you know, or get quick, or do three things and get that. And I think that that's not true. I think that the teachings that come through me are about alignment, and alignment they teach with attunement. Now the attunements they teach. They say we're all radios, you know, and we're always in broadcast. And our, our broadcast is our consciousness. And when they offer attunements, they're actually supporting us in aligning vibrationally and at a level of consciousness to a broadcast that they say has always been playing, but we haven't aligned to. 
Now, aligning to that broadcast really does mean moving into a higher awareness of who you are. But this isn't done. I mean, frankly, if I want to flip somebody off in traffic, um, I can choose to do that. You know, what I get back is what you get when you flip somebody off. You might feel better for a minute. You might get punched in the nose at the next stop sign. Um, it's really the awareness of who you are that must be changed because that's the awareness that's then going to translate to your experience. The guides say everything is operating in co-resonance, in, in vibrational accord. And that simply means that when you know who you are and you begin to operate at a higher level of, of vibration, you call to you those experiences that are of like vibrational accord. So you're not striving. This isn't a teaching about getting stuff, nor is it a teaching about the fast track to realization. And I think anybody that's teaching that stuff is probably completely full of shit. Because I don't think it works that way. I wish it did. But anybody that's on this path or any true path probably has encountered the possibility that you're going to encounter yourself in this process. And those parts of yourself that you would probably prefer not to. Because, you know, the guides say what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. And that must include those parts of ourselves that we've been denying or repressing or subverting or damning in others. So, you know, the hypocrisy of most religion is we've got it and they don't. And anybody that announces that they've got it, I, I have some caution about. Because I think those who have got it aren't necessarily announcing themselves as having it. They're too busy being at that level of awareness. And that is a level of awareness where you're, you're knowing, you know, and in one's knowing, I understand one is never afraid. And much of the things that we see happening in the world that are challenging, including probably the desire to flip somebody off in traffic, are based in fear. So when you're in your knowing, you're not operating in fear. You're not looking to be seen. You're not striving. You're knowing. So I do think that what the guides are teaching is a system of realization. And I think it's an ongoing system. I don't think it's a convenient teaching. I don't think I'm ever going to be on a cruise ship channeling, you know, because I'm not telling people how to get a better job, you know, and get the man or woman of their dreams and look like such and such. Those things can happen. But if anybody thinks that that's the point of their spiritual life, I suspect that they're going to be somewhat disappointed. And perhaps that's a fine way in, because in that encounter, you'll discover more. I mean, I came into this stuff when I was in my mid-20s. And after having gotten a master's from Yale and, you know, a credentialing in the world and some some extraordinarily minor celebrity as a playwright, I mean, I was getting noticed from my work and everything that I thought that I was supposed to have, I was getting. And I was a mess. And I began to look for something more out of sheer necessity, not because I thought it would be nice to have a spiritual life. And that was the beginning of an adventure. But I came to it. Not because it was popular, because it was, you know, in the least bit giving me what I thought I should have, but because 
when you realize or begin to see the transient nature of reality, you know, the material reality that we live in, and you begin to understand that perhaps there's something far more than we have been taught, that actually changes everything. For me, it was an experience of energy. When I could begin to feel energy, that challenged all of my beliefs. And none of that was comfortable. I don't know. I, I mean, when people sort of show up and they become spiritual and they, they move into this sort of flowering and unfoldment, I'm very happy for them. And that does happen for some people. Most people, you know, flower some and then fall apart some and then come back together in a higher way because the process of growth isn't necessarily comfortable or convenient. I read for somebody earlier today, because I, I have a practice as a psychic as well, and, you know, she showed me herself as if she were a seed, you know, sprouting and breaking the soil and pushing her head up among the dirt and going, what the hell is happening? What was happening was growth. But it was growth into the unknown where her sense of reality was probably going to be challenged by what was on the other side of that because it wasn't what she had conformed to all this time. So what I'm understanding is that there's a higher octave of vibration or a higher level of, of comprehension that we can move into accord to. But I don't think that that's the accord that is about conquering the material plane. I still think that that's the small self who thinks that he or she can appropriate spirituality for some kind of outcome that is predetermined by the culture. Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand that. And and I and I think that I think for for our listeners and for people like myself that want to take an active role in 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 our own um, our own um, developing it's, it's it's tricky because the 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 nomenclature is important and the words that that I've read in your books and the words that I that I heard mm -hmm. uh, um, channeled through you at the workshop mm -hmm. are very specific and very eloquent wow. and and obviously very carefully presented to you mm -hmm. and then to us yeah. and so as I ask these questions I I don't I don't mean to um, don't need I don't mean to make it as like an achievement but more as as a um, as a as a practice sure um, I understand I think I understand I mean the you know you can work with the attunements practically and the attunements are in the text and the texts that come through me are in in and of themselves energetic attunements they work with the reader and if you read the reviews on Amazon people are saying you know, I'm reading the book my body is vibrating I mean it's it's very common and in the workshops you were there, people have this experience of the energy. But one of the attunements, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am in truth. I know how I serve in truth. I am free, I am free, I am free. The guides say is an attunement to the higher consciousness, or for, that's my word, but that's a higher way of being. It's an attunement of embodiment. Now I'll explain it. The claim I know who I am isn't I'm Paul, I'm a channeler, I live in New York, um, you know, I wish I lived in California, I wish this, this, and this, that's not who Paul is. That's who an idea, that's who an aspect of Paul is at a personality level. But they say the aspect of self that claims I know who I am is the eternal self or the true self, 
or the inherent or implicit divine. They've used the term Christ itself at times, and they say that the Christ is the aspect of the creator that can be realized in material form. So level of consciousness and vibration, and that's what they're attuning us to. So I know who I am as claimed by the true self, which is the aspect of self that always knows who he or she is beyond the body they've taken, beyond the gender, beyond the age, beyond the health of the body, beyond, you know, the circumstances. I know who I am, the divine as the true self. I know what I am is a claim of manifestation. Again, it's the true self claiming manifestation. I know what what meaning form and the guides say you know part of what we bumped into here is this sort of stupid belief that if there is a god or something like a god it's up there on the clouds and we're stuck here in the mud and they're saying well you know god is the mud it's also the skin on your body and and the bone marrow and the lungs and the brain and the eyes and the realization of the divine as form supports our acceleration as a vibratory being. They say if you exclude the body you have taken from the divine, you're also excluding everything else in form. So how can the tree or the river or the eagle be holy if you're not? So I know what I am is, again, alignment to something that is always true. And they say I know how I serve. They say how one serves is how one is most fully expressed as the true self. And again, it's the true self that's doing it. It's not the small self who thinks, if I meditate 45 minutes every day, and if I take Tai Chi, and if I do these things, I'm going to arrive here. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're all of potentially great benefit. But the true self is the one that knows how she serves or he serves. And again, we live in a culture where we've been taught to think that how we serve must be our career, you know, and that's, again, a cultural moment that we happen to stand in where everybody has to have a career to have a sense of their own merit or, or valid worth in culture. And I don't get that. It's much more of a teaching of being how you operate at a higher level of consciousness and vibration. The guides say is actually lifting everything that you encounter to that octave through co-resonance, or I hear the word now is entrainment that, that people use, but I hear it as co-resonance or vibrational accord. They say everything you see right now, you're in vibrational accord to. Me, the room you're in, what you see out the window, and this is collective agreement to what things are and what they mean, and we're all in this kind of coherence. When you lift up to a higher level of vibrational accord, what you call to you will be different. And consequently, the consciousness that you're informing everything you see with is actually supporting that and happening. And if you want to talk about miracles, that's the miracle of this, is you're lifting what you see by nature of being. And again, that would be the claim, I know how I serve. That doesn't mean you don't go out and feed the poor. It may well mean that. It doesn't mean you don't go become a Reiki healer or study shamanism. It may be all of those things. But it also may be that you're driving a school bus. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to look a certain way to be of, of deep meaning and merit. 
can you share, speaking of the school bus, can you share um, the story that you shared with us at the workshop about the school bus driver? Yeah. I mean, that was in the book of mastery. I mean, I, you know, the books that I deliver that come through me, they're all spoken and then they're transcribed. And I do live streams on Wednesday nights and some of the live stream lectures the guide said to include in the book. And we included a few of the Q&A stuff that, that accompanied them um, when they were on the teachings that had just come through. So in the Book of Mastery, there was a woman who said, so, you know, I drive a school bus for a living and I bless all the kids when they get on the bus and I'm claiming I am word through the ones I see before me. And But how do I serve? And, you know, she had some idea that it would be a, a, a more grand expression. Um, and she was doing it. And she was doing it. And I've often said if I had that woman driving my school bus when I was in junior high school, I probably would have had a much better ride in and a much better day. But ain't nobody else was blessing me in junior high school. I was just trying not to get beaten up in the schoolyard. So, you know, that was my experience. But that's the school bus story. Yeah. I, I suppose that, that that each of us have the ability to see very small things that we do as um, important and valuable, you know, like this woman, you know, <laughs> to, to, to be doing it every day and to still not quite be aware of, of how of how she's yeah. serving. Like it doesn't it doesn't get it doesn't get more. Uh, applicable and practical than than you know blessing children on their way to school i mean that's that's beautiful yeah and you know it's not uncommon um when i was young and i was in my late 20s and i was starting a career as a teacher i ran a little program that sent artists to the new york city public schools and um the most aware i'm not going to use the word enlightened but the most realized people spiritually that i was meeting where sometimes these teachers in these inner city schools, I mean, the schools, you know, in, in the South Bronx at that time looked like they were rising out of rubble. And these amazing, amazing people were teaching there with such love and devotion for their students. I mean, it was really, really humbling. And in a lot of ways, I became a teacher, I think, in in recognition of, of the validity of the work. They taught me what it meant to be a teacher and to truly do that, and that was my life for years. But I don't think it's necessarily about calling it spiritual. You know, I, I think everything is spiritual. Sometimes I'll meet people and I say, well, you know, I have a great spiritual life, but how do I, how do I bring, you know, what, what about my business life? And that presupposes that those two things are different. They're not. Your business life is an expression of your consciousness, too. And if you're not bringing your spiritual life into that or your awareness of the inherent divine, you're probably being a little bit of a hypocrite. You know, nobody's perfect. We're all here to learn. I don't get it right. But the idea that my spiritual life resembles something that sounds or looks spiritual and my business life means I can be a complete jerk has an inherent confusion to it. And, you know, the guides I work with have been saying for a long time, you know, the divine is all things or no thing at all. You really can't exclude anyone from or anything from its equation. And it's a really, really challenging teaching. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness. It's real simple stuff. 
the best the best stuff is most simple and elegant and and clear um one concept that i that i wanted to ask you about was is the concept of surrender yeah and i think surrendering is such a loaded term i think for so many people um can you can you or or the guides um uh, translate and clarify what that big beefy word really really means i hear it's about no longer relying on the small self to get what you want it's really the about the the realization of one's inability to change oneself you know, at the level of personality. I mean, this is what I'm garnering as I ask right now. It's a loaded subject for me too, and one that I I battle in my own life at times. You know, I want to do it my way. I want to get what I want. So I'm going to see if I can get it direct from them as it relates to this conversation. The idea of sorts was a question. They're saying the idea of surrender is what is at question, not surrender itself, not surrender itself, how you partake in surrender. How you partake in surrender is, is simply through allow, as, you're trying to get. as long as you are trying to get, you're not trying to allow, you are not trying to allow, and one can only allow, and one can only allow when one stops trying, when one stops trying, the idea of surrender, the idea of surrender as weakness as weakness is what confounds many of you is what confounds many of you in often cases in often cases it's the true self it's the true self who emerges who emerges in surrender in surrender the divine can the divine can what the small self can't what the small self can the divine can claim the divine can claim what is always true what is always true and the small self cannot and the small self cannot when one surrenders in a highway when one surrenders in a highway one moves to alignment one moves to alignment can be claimed at level that can be claimed at that level you cannot make god do anything you cannot make God do anything, but you may know God, but you may know God and better yet be known by it and better yet be known by it and realize that and realize that as the substitute, as the substance of your expression, trying to get God to it, trying to get God to do what you want or your girlfriend or your girlfriend or your boss or your boss or your country or your country may be honorable in some ways, may be honorable in some ways, but is mostly the product, but is mostly the product of the small self, of the small self and his mandate and his mandate for what should be, for what should be, when you release what should be, when you release what should be, you may truly see what's there, you may truly see what is there and move into transformation and move into transformation, period. And they're saying period. Yeah, that 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 is a that is a hard thing for most of us to do, uh, which is to to not grasp so tightly to things, to uh, ideas of ourself, which as your channel teachings have shown us, uh, is about the ego, is about the small self, is about who I think I'm supposed to be. Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, we've got them, I've got them, you know, it's. They don't talk about ego much. I mean, I suppose the small self and ego are the same thing, and they certainly don't condemn it. You know, it's an aspect of who and what we are. They just say we've misidentified with it. So, you know, we think that we are the personality, the reputation, the job title, you know, whatever the things is, whatever the things are that we would, you know, decide with. 
And those things finally are, they're not wrong, but they're just transient. They're not who you truly are. So, you know, when I was young, I had hair. I was a man with hair on his head. Now I, I don't have it on my head. I have a beard now. But, you know, I'm still the being that I was who resembles something somewhat different than I used to. And while that's sort of a silly example, I think what they're, they're meaning is that there is an aspect of all of us, which they say is the divine self that's seeking recognition and, and allowance to be as us and with us and be working through us, you know. It's this idea, you know, and I'm not, I wasn't raised with religion, but there's that teaching, you know, of, of, of myself, I am nothing. You know, it's the divine that does the work through, you know, and that's a powerful teaching. You know, when you when you meet people that are doing healing work and if I ever meet somebody who says I healed somebody of such and such, I go, I, I'm, I'm a little cautious. And that's a young approach to that. Anybody who's doing energy work understands that they're they're facilitating and they're present for something that is actually operating through them. We become the conduit of the expression of the divine. The challenge with some of the new age stuff is people think I'm God and I'm the only God. And that's impossible. You know, if you realize your inherent holiness, and I'll use that word, you know, you, you're, you're honor bound truthfully at that level of consciousness to realize it in everybody else. The guides I work with have been known to say things like, you don't become the Christ, the Christ becomes you. You become the expression of the divine. And that's done through alignment, and, and I suspect to a degree through surrender as well. If your heart yearns for this, I suspect that that's probably the God within encouraging you on a, on a journey. But, um, you know, we all get to where we get to through whatever avenues we find and i don't know that one is higher or better than the next i think everything is potential this is my favorite stuff <laughs> i mean this is this is uh, neurofeedback and float tanks and ayahuasca and you know psilocybin and channeled sessions um do you see now that there is a more are, are, are things accelerating or or is that or is that just a is that just me? Yeah. No, I think they're accelerating rapidly. And I think a lot of the chaos we're, we're seeing as a result of that, I think things cannot remain as they were. And the desire to hold on to the old, which is the desire of the small self, is to maintain an idea of identity at the cost of what would be born as some of what we're seeing now. The guides I work with say the action of fear is to claim more fear. They say, look at every choice you've ever made in fear and see what it got you. And you'll see it's more fear. And a country can choose in fear, too, truthfully. And, you know, and the guides say there is not a lie told that has there's never been a lie told that wasn't told in fear. Every lie told is told in fear. And if you look at what we're dealing with now in the world, they say, you know, in truth, in the vibration of truth, a lie will not be held. And they say as a result of that, things that have been buried or withheld or denied, and that probably includes things like, you know, our, uh, the, 
the lack of, of, of integrity in our economic systems and political systems and racial equality and how we treat one another, all of that stuff, which has been problematic forever, is now being seen because we can't not see it. They say everything that's been buried is getting exhumed. And they say, you know, if you look at your backyard and things that were buried five months ago are, are coming to the surface, as well as things that were buried 5,000 years ago, it's going to look like a mess for a while. But the opportunity is here to lift these things to the light because, you know, what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. Who you put in darkness calls you to that level of vibration. What you damn damns you back. So I do think that this is a time of enormous opportunity and great change. There's a lecture up on YouTube um, that the guides delivered two days before the last presidential election. It was in a workshop in... Um, I think it was uh, someplace in, in, in the Midwest, I guess it was. Um, and it was interesting because it was given at the time when I thought and most everybody thought that the outcome of that election would be different. And they called that lecture great change. And they said, what you're about to see, they said, your idea of choice is I'll have the milk versus the cream in my coffee and what you're about to get is when the table is turned over holding the milk and the cream i mean it's going to be that level it's like what is this what are we what is this now and again i hope somehow that this is all opportunity for us i truly do i've been told that it is and at a really mass scale i mean if we've really been this is sleep and this is sleep to how we treat one another, you know, and this isn't about being, you know, new age prettiness. I mean, truthfully, to the guides say, if you deny the divine in anyone you've divine, you've denied it in yourself. It's that simple. And this is and this is separation. And this is, you know, the separation that we have from our fellow human beings has translated finally to this belief that we're separate from the common source of all things. And if we want to keep operating that way, we can, but we'll reap the rewards of that, you know, and, you know, it's all fear based. So this is great opportunity. And I don't know if it gets more comfortable anytime soon. I wouldn't mind it if it did. But, you know, maybe this is this is the hope of yeah. it. I hope so. Yeah, it's, it's it'll be interesting to see what what level I, I feel like experience is is important. Um, uh, reading something is good. Listening to something is good. Uh, but showing up, experiencing, looking someone in the eyes, um, uh, engagement, interaction, I think is such an important part of that coming together, that togetherness that you that that that, that you're talking about. And you know, technology, um, social media, has such this nuance this this between it's bringing so many people together and it's also bringing tearing so many people apart uh and the level of that interaction mm -hmm. that that is so fundamental for uh, us to collectively come together and grow and introduce new solutions to 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 old problems and new problems it, it's it's complicated so whether that's mm -hmm. vr and 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 in another 10 or 15 years, we're all going to be plugged in um, and not see each other in the flesh, but we're going to be, 
you know, hanging mm-hmm. out on some video game. Yeah. I don't know. It, I, 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 I often wonder about what, what the landscape is going to look like in another 10 years. I don't know if that's, I'm sure. That, yeah. I don't read on that stuff. I mean, if they ever want to talk about that, I suspect they will, and they'll probably do it in a book. But I don't, you know, the predictive work that I get from that, when I get it once in a while, I'm surprised by it. And um, because I'm rarely getting it through the front door, you know, uh, it's like through the back door. Like my ex many years ago was opening a business in lower Manhattan and wanted to know if they were going to be able to make the rent on the business space for the, the month of October. And the answer was no. And there was all this panic. Why wouldn't we be able to make the rent? And the answer was, well, there's going to be a terrorist attack in lower Manhattan. And there was. And the whole area was cordoned off. So nobody made the rent. And, you know, but I wasn't looking for it, nor do I go looking for it. I hear this is a time of great choice, you know, and we get to choose. In the very first book, which was delivered 10 years ago now this month, the guide said humanity is at a time of reckoning. And a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations. And everything that's been created in fear needs to be recreated in a higher way. Now, consciousness, I don't think it necessarily is mandates a body to be there. You know, in my my work as a psychic, I, I step into other people that I've never met, you know, thousands of miles away. And I used to think that I was traveling, you know, traveling to China to step into their body. And, and, and I was a physicist told me once at a conference, he said, you know, you're not traveling, you're just going in. It's like, it's just, it, it's, it doesn't work that same way. But I was still so wrapped up in the idea of time and space that I didn't realize it's just about flipping a dial and you're there, you know, and I don't think I'm that special. So I do think that if these things can be done by me, they can be done by others. The question then comes, you know, why would you want to do it? You know, and what is the benefit to it? For me, my work has come in service to other people. It's not been about, you know, Paul getting what he wants. This isn't what I expected to be doing with my life. I'm grateful that I'm doing it. But, you know, all I do at this point is just continue to show up for this thing that I may never, ever fully understand. But I do think that we have great potential, all of us. And I think that we can expand and I think technology can be our friend or we can, you know, be consumed by it. And I think we have choices there as well. With the amount of traveling, um, deep energetic work, all the all of the all of the the running around that you do, um, how do you a protect yourself energetically, and how do you recover energetically when you when you've been um, doing so much? You know, I was a classroom teacher for twenty five years. I mean, you know, I would walk to my classroom when I was teaching in New York, you know, or take a plane to Vermont when I was working in Vermont, and do my thing. And that was just showing up for work. And I still think of this as just showing up for work. It's just different work. And I, you know, try to make it as comfortable for myself as is humanly possible to do this. You know, I'm, you know, I travel with with an assistant who is a friend 
And so I've got companionship at meals, you know, and somebody to, to unload the speaker system and, and all of those things. I'm not doing the heavy lifting anymore. I'm just showing up to channel. And I'm grateful that I get to do this. My recovery, I'm, I'm energetically sensitive. I mean, that's true. And I get used when I'm working. I mean, I'm allowing myself to be sort of a conduit for this thing that comes through. But I feel that I'm treated very well in that process. And when I step into other people and I do these readings, I don't think I was doing them in the evening that you were at. But when I was where I step into people individually, I do them often in my, my weekends because there's just more time for questions. But I have this amazing experience of knowing what it's like to be other people, you know, and be in their body. I mean, it's fascinating to me. You know, I'm the only guy that I know that's ever had a hot flash because I stepped into somebody who was having it, you know, and I gave birth once in a session. I know what it's like to feel pregnant. It's freaky. I don't like it. It's like I got like a radioactive zucchini in my abdomen. It's just like the freakiest thing. I'm always like, oh, my God, I don't believe I'm feeling this. So, I mean, that's fascinating to me. Um, but I take care of myself as best I can. And I'm actually a very shy person socially. So when I'm channeling, I'm I'm more visible. I'm having to sort of counter some of my shyness. And when I'm home in the city, you know, I'm here with a puppy and sort of, you know, doing as little as is humanly possible, I suppose, in the days that I'm I'm resting up between trips. So I'm learning still. It all may change. I don't know. Next time you see me, I may, you know, be living out of a, a, a car. I may have given up having a home because I'm just always traveling. But I'm not complaining about it right now. You mentioned that that there there's already a, another channeled book sort of at the ready. Mm-hmm. Um, for yeah. those fans who are up to date and, and for those that are just going to binge – binge read to catch up. Um, what can you tell us about what, what we can look forward to? Well, the new book is called Beyond the Known Realization. Um, it's actually got an introduction by, by Aubrey Marcus. Um, at the last, the end of the last book, which was the Book of Freedom, at the end of the book, the guides invited everybody to cross, you know, up, up to cross a threshold into a new life. It was this sort of rather joyous invitation, you know, for everybody to come and partake in this. And it surprised me a little bit because they, they told me that I got to come too, and I got to experience, I would get to experience that. And very, like almost immediately after that book was dictating, I was doing a workshop at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur, and they brought everybody to what they called the upper room. Um, which is a higher octave of vibration. And I understand now that that's what exists on the other side of the threshold. And the teaching of beyond the known is the teaching of the upper room. And it's the first of a trilogy. I don't know. The second one, I I expect them to be starting any time now, starting the dictation. And I have no idea really what what it's going to be. But the teaching of the upper room is it's a trippy teaching. But it really is about aligning and maintaining a level of of consciousness that supports what they say, the realization of the kingdom. And they say the kingdom is the awareness of the divine in everything you see. And that's done by the one who operates at that level. 
So it's much more of a teaching of, it's, it's less of a teaching of becoming embodied, I think. It's a teaching of embodiment, which is where it differs from the other texts. And I feel that the first six books that are in print are all about preparing us now for, for what is there for us if we want to go there. Um, what this means beyond what they've instructed in the last text, I don't know yet. I'm curious as to know the response to, to the newest book, but, you know, it made perfect sense to me when I did the proofreading, and it was confounding to me as I was doing the dictation at times. Um, they do talk about things they don't usually talk about, like, you know, organized religion and their basis and their history and sex and other things that, you know, they haven't spent a great deal of time on in other texts. But um, I'm curious. But, you know, again, you know, my name is on the cover of the books, but I don't write them. I sit there with my eyes closed. And, you know, as you saw, I'm just speaking, 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 speaking until they say stop now, please. And then that's what gets sent to the transcriptionist and and is later, you know, published. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a sight to you're a sight to see. I mean, um, the the exercises in which we turn to a partner, and mm -hmm. um, you know, sort of echoed the affirmations back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's unlike it's unlike any other sort of approach that I've experienced. Um, it's it's uh, it feels so so old it, it feels so fundamental and and, and yeah. that that sort of wisdom that that goes that far back that is so universal um to be standing next to a stranger locked eyes and saying these affirmations and just like feeling this connection and feeling it in the room as the room is is echoing back and forth is really a trip i mean you know i i left i i walked out of there feeling the same way that I would have felt, you know, dancing all night at a festival or, um, you know, three nights, uh, of plant medicine, you know, it was like this mm -hmm. bodily, uh, I was both, uh, charged up yeah. and also drained by, by the experience. Is that, is that pretty common? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't do plant medicine, you know, it's just not been my path, but I've had a lot of people say that there's, there are real similarities to the experience. Um, I do know that the guides come through with an energy that for most people is palpable and they're teaching people to work with the energy for the benefit of all. And because the energy is palpable and most people can feel it, I think, you know, there were probably 150 people in the room when you were yeah. there, something like that. And I said, you know, who feels the energy? And everybody's hands goes up. And these are often people that have never felt energy before. But the good news is if they can feel the energy, they've had their own experience of the divine. It doesn't require me to be there because I'm just one person and I'm not a guru and I have no desire to be one at all. So if you have that for yourself, you can move into your own knowing with it. It's yours. Do you understand that? If you've been attuned to the energy, it's there for you to work with. Your radio, you've attuned the radio that you are to play this vibrational broadcast. It's there. As you work with it, you get more comfortable with it, and the attunement becomes intrinsic to who you are. 
you know, the one who still says, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve, is still basically invoking what's true. But as you align to that in a, in a more consistent way, I expect if what they're saying is accurate, it becomes who you are. And then there's the claim that they offer. I have come, I have come, I have come, which they say is spoken by the true self in its embodiment. And that's what really sort of serves to translate this vibration to, to the world that you see. You're lifting what you see through your alignment, you know, to its own inherent divinity. They say again and again and again, you can't make anything holy, but you can realize the inherent divine in anything. And in doing that, you're reclaiming what you see. And you said it feels, it sounds very old. They say it's a very old teaching, you know, older than the religions that we know. You know, it's been here, but, you know, it's here now in a way I suspect that we can experience. And I hope that's true, you know, beyond just the intellect. I mean, you know, the books themselves are intellectual documents, but they're really also, you know, translations of the vibration that are there for the reader so that the reader can be party to their own experience as an energetic being and have the experience that you described. Yeah. It feels like an activation. It feels, it, yeah, it feels like a, um, initiation or an activation, something that's like, Oh, uh, okay. Well, I guess, I guess I have this now. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't want to waste it. Well, for time, um, I don't want to, uh, you know, I know you're a busy guy and I want to be, be conscious of your time. Um, I like to have everybody fill in a blank at the, at the end of the podcast to kind of, before we do that though, um, what's the best place for people to find you, get a hold of you? Uh, do you want to be gotten a hold of? What, what, where should we funnel people toward? My website, which is, you know, paulselig.com, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. And there's, you know, uh, a calendar of events that we keep very current. And there's a lot of workshops happening all over the place and information on the Wednesday night live streams and, and private readings and information on the book. So everything is really there. You know, I'm on Instagram. I'm on, you know, Facebook. I mean, these things are there for people. Um, but I'm usually on the road and I'm usually doing a workshop somewhere. So, you know, people are welcome to come check it out, you know, in, in person. It's always nice, you know, when people show up and say hello. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, if, if you would, I'd, I'd love for you to fill, fill in the blank. Uh huh. Everyone would benefit from knowing. That they have the right to be here. Beautiful. Paul Selig, thank you for joining us today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thanks for having me, Sean. I enjoyed it. Take care. And that's that. Okay. Thank you. I enjoyed that. That was fun.